5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard, always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. Jason the Chance here with you and the ever coughing Mikey. Hello, Mikey here. And uh, it's just uh, it's just where we live. We are in the Central Valley of California with the weird, interesting temperature changes and we're coughing, which is which is great, Mikey, because uh, you know, you can clear out a store. It used to take a fart, now it's a cough. And now just it's people cough. go running. I am coughing nonstop and I get crazy looks from everybody, <laughs> which is understandable, but on the bright side, it is just coughing from my allergies, like Jason said. But you want to clear an aisle when you're in the store? Just cough. That's right. Hey, we got coming up for you guys uh, a great conversation that uh, Mikey and I were able to have with uh, Brandon Novak, of course, of uh, MTV's Jackass. Novak! (laughs) Viva La Bam, uh, you know, uh, skateboarding pro. We get into that. We talk about the uh, peak of his addictions and some of the depths he went. And it's just such a... um, Crazy shit. It is crazy shit. and, And thankful to him for being so transparent with us and all of you, the listeners, in um, some of the depths that he sank to, and because five years coming up on five years sober, really proud for him and yeah. his loved ones, yeah. and uh, what he's been able to transform his life into through sobriety is simply nothing short of phenomenal, and it shows the ability of uh, human redemption for any of uh, any of our transgressions that we can have on others and ourselves. So, yeah, for sure. So excited about it. Uh, well, let's. Uh, course uh, kdd challenge mikey this is the last day go ahead ask me ask me how uh, i'm doing ask how'd you how do i had no alcohol not one drop baby not one well you are the toughest of the tough because i totally had a trigger moment and uh, i did much better on the eating i think you've seen it yeah. you've been around yeah, me a lot sure. uh you have helped me get in some physical fitness of course people can go to uh our uh, social media uh, by searching knocking doors down and you'll see there's video up of Mikey and I getting some uh, some exercise in together so I've I've improved that area but I had a moment a bad day uh, went into the convenience store I'm not going to name names because they don't sponsor on the show pay us and uh, the lady that always would help me at the counter hadn't seen me in a while I grabbed uh, I forget what maybe tea or something like that or coffee and she just went grabbed the uh, tobacco pouches I paid for it walked out and is in my mouth before it even dawned didn't on me didn't even know what happened huh? and it, you know it's it scared the living shit out of me really mm-hmm. it scared the absolute living shit out of me that it was that kind of a thing to to jump back at something that I want to get away from I know is just terrible for my health um, you know, I want to have longevity of life and, uh, you know, my, like I talked about, my job is my tool for my job is my voice. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I got throat cancer or something like that, a mouth cancer, all these things. I want to live a long life and see my kids grow up and prosper as adults. I want, um, uh, you know, my relationship to be a good and healthy thing and be healthy for that. So for me, it, 
it scared the fuck out of me. To be well, quite and honest. you can't lose your voice because I don't want to do this shit. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know I would just be. Uh, uh, so how? So what's ever? What's everyone up to? You know, fuck that. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, well, we've got some cool stuff happening for you guys this month. Um, of course, lots of great episodes coming up, and uh, the month of uh, May is actual National Military Appreciation Month, and we will be talking to a gentleman named David Siegel who uh, suffered from PTSD after his service in the Marine Corps, um, how he's transformed his life through powerlifting and uh, getting that going, so that's kind of a cool tie-in throughout the month. And we just have a lot of cool interviews for you, and... Our first giveaway. Who wants to win some stuff? Tell them about what, it, Mike. What? So, it's really quite simple. You go, you follow, you like, you tag three people on our Instagram page at Knocking Doors Down, and there is not one, not two, not three, but five, five. Five $100 gift cards for the apparel store. What? How would you like a $100 gift card for the 5150 Apparel Store? Well, right now through the end of May, you can get one. All you got to do is follow Knocking Doors Down on Instagram, like the contest post, tag three friends, and you'll be entered to be one of the five winners selected on Monday, June 1st. Must be 18 years or older to enter. Who would believe it? That's right. We are hooking you up with some 5150 swag. Just make sure that you go and uh, follow us on Instagram for that and follow the rules. Get into the contest. It's going all the way through the month of May, so plenty of uh, time to get entered, but uh, do it now. Be a first uh, first person. Just get it out of the way. Go do it. You have 100 bucks to spend at the 5150 store. You want some drinks? They got you. You want some sweat? Uh, maybe not sweatshirts. It's kind of hot. But you know what? You could prepare for next year. Who maybe knows? somebody lives in Minnesota, eh? Hey, maybe. You don't know. Or like Canada? That's right, E. It's always cold in Canada. I was going for a different A, but yeah, that. All right. Canada E. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Our interview with uh, Brandon Novak coming up next. The Carlos Vieira Foundation, with the Race for Autism, Race to End Stigma, and the Race to Be Drug-Free campaigns. The Carlos Vieira Foundation strives to help those in our community who are affected by autism spectrum disorders, those who are living with mental illness, and to raise awareness and educate the community about the harmful effects of drug use. The Carlos Vieira Foundation, education, fundraising, and facilitating resources. For more information, go to carlosvierafoundation.org or call 209 209- Three nine four one four four four. Well, how's it? How are you hanging in out there through everything? Good man, I, I dig this quarantine thing. Man. <laughs> you know, anybody who's had the 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 chance to to do a a significant period of time, aka like incarcerated, sure, sure. Really like it's a fucking walk in the park. <laughs> this ain't nothing, huh? This ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like. I, it's just like that. You just take it back to you know. I'm I'm good at being institutionalized. Right. Yeah, I, right. I spent most of my life in fucking treatment centers, and or jail or prison. So like, this is fucking. This is a come up. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I'm into the whole introvert shit, man. Yeah, right. for sure. What I'm digging about this quarantine is I'm saving a shit ton of money, so I'm loving that. Same. <laughs> right. <Same. laughs> right. 
Well, he's I single. Finance my house. Like, <laughs> Take care of shit. Yeah. Well, well, he's single and no kids. Whereas uh, I've got two kids, girlfriend and ex-wife. So it seems to me this shit's been more expensive. So I'm kind of in a different. Right. I'm with him. I just have my two cats. You know? I got my dog. That's it. My little dog. That's all I got. Uh, and I forgot I got a dog and a cat. Yeah. You got your cat, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right there's. Oh, there you oh, go. Wow. There nice. you go. They're around here somewhere. Just, I'm just, like a fucking cat fanatic, man. A crazy old cat. <laughs> I, went, I used to say, jokingly enough, that I wouldn't leave my house if my cats could talk. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you ask for, motherfucker. Sometimes you get it. Right. I love that. I that love shit that. comes to fruition. That sounds like me when I used yeah. to drink. Uh, anyways, hey, knocking doors down. Brandon Novak uh, with us, of course. Uh, Skateboard Have we began legend. already? Uh, you know what? We just kind of step into it. Cool. So it's That's like, cool. hey, we, you yeah. know, here it is. We'll just uh, bullshit and get thrown right into it. Yeah. yeah. Skateboarding <laughs> legend. I, I and, it that way, so that's rad. Hell yeah. Yeah, jackass fame. Uh, Mikey and I are both fans of you. I had no balance, Brandon. So anytime I tried to skate, I busted my ass, whereas Mikey was really talented. But uh, I got into a lot of stupid shit too. I, uh, me, it was alcohol, so sure. that's that's kind of my area. And um, so it, we're we're honored to speak with you because a, being fans of you, b, uh, we're glad you're fucking alive, uh, and what you're doing with your life now and helping others. So it just uh, it aligns with what we're doing. The whole mission of knocking doors down started with uh, the owner of this company. He uh, uh, wrote a book on his. 13 years of addiction with cocaine. Uh, decided he was going to put out a book. He knew that I had my struggles with alcohol. He pulled me What's out of What's this book called? Knocking Doors Down. We'll okay. get we'll get one out to you actually. We got yeah, one yeah, we got you on the mailing list to send you one. His name's Carlos Vieira and um, uh, he uh, gave me this opportunity to pull me out of 20 years of radio and said, "Hey, um, you know, you've talked about wanting to serve and do do something a little more purposeful." And I went all right, bold move. Let's do this shit. So, uh, you know, yeah. here we are. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. I'm, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to, to like you alluded to, being alive to be here today to talk to you. Because, yeah. you know, I, I go to like, I, I'm heavily involved in, in my sobriety and, and, and I surround myself with, you know, not all the time, but just the way that I live kind of attracts either like, sober people or people that just like want to do better in life sure yeah. but I, I, I like stay submerged in you know in health and wellness let's just put it that way and 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 in doing so i i also attend you know 12-step meetings mm -hmm. and i'll hear sometimes the occasional man or woman put their hand up and say you know i worked real hard for this seat in aa or whatever right and in my mind, I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Like, you know who worked hard for my seat? My mother, my yeah. my employers, yeah. my friends, my my fucking coworkers. Because if justice was due, I'd be dead years ago. Right. So I'm merely here on borrowed time, and and strictly is a direct result of God's grace and mercy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, right? Like, if 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 justice was due, fuck. Uh, Brandon, let's talk a little bit, but you know, because you're you've you've noted that uh, addiction started for you pretty early on. What was kind of like childhood? Where do you think it was? Because I come from a background of addiction on on both sides of my family. Um, well, all I can do is give you my experience, sure. right? Like I, I I'm not a doctor. I don't have PhDs. I haven't done specific studies to come to 
to the, uh, the, the equations or results that, that I'm at with it. But I believe that my addiction was passed down because I was genetically predisposed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. My father was an addict. His father was an addict. Um, I'm the only son by my father. My, my brother and sister are by a different man. Mm, okay. My mother and those, that whole side, they can have a, a glass of wine, finish half, and totally go about their business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I believe I was genetically predisposed, and, and I also believe there were a lot of other uh, equations that played into the factor, right? Um, I was, you know, at the age of seven, I got my first skateboard, mm-hmm. and... and um, and and that skateboard raised me, and skateboarding culture raised me. Right? Absolutely, because my father was a, a a rather unsavory type of fellow, if you will. He he never had a job a day in his life. He taught me one thing: if and when I go to prison, how to conduct myself. No he shit. ran with the Hell's Angels, no um, and he unfortunately succumbed to his disease of addiction and, and is no longer with us. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, but you know, at the age you so. so so from a very young age, I, I was basically raised in a, in a single family home. My mother carried us. My yeah. father was around just enough to let me know that he wasn't around. Um, and, 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 and so my mother was, you know, she got a job at the age of 15 at, at Mercy Hospital drawing blood for $5 a pop, a phlebotomist, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, again, being a single parent household and she was fucking doing the whole deal for me, my brother and my sister, because my father was very undependable mm-hmm. and unreliable, you know, the direct results of addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, she busted her ass to become the woman that I could only aspire and pray to be. And, and what that looks like is went from uh, the age of 15, drawing blood for $5 a pop to literally working her way up the ladder to, as of two years ago, retiring as a nuclear physicist on Holy the board shit. of Mercy Hospital. Wow. Longest employer in Mercy Hospital history, right? That's mm-hmm. badass. Like everything, but but in in saying that, my mother was working full time, right, yeah. to get us out of the position that a lot of things played a part in us getting in, mm-hmm. and and my father would come around and cause problems. So I I was attracted to the skateboard and the skateboard world. So older guys helped raise me, right? Because mm-hmm. they could drive, they pick me up, sure, take me, take me another wing, and um and and. And with that being said, on the off days that my father would show up, right, he would like practice behaviors such as at seven taking me to the strip joint with him. And when he's in the back conducting his business, um, they'd leave me at, at at the at the bar and they'd prop me up on a stool and and they'd pour shots of ginger ale and Coca Cola into those little shot glasses, mm-hmm. right? So I would do the shots. The girls would dance for me, and my father would give me that look of approval. Yeah. Right, so that could potentially be grooming me into what I became. Who right. knows? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit further down the road, I, I had to come home and witness my father cut my mother's throat at a young age. So there was like a lot of variables that could come into play as to what I could pinpoint created or caused my outcome. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I can allude to it, but that's only because I after doing a lot of internal work on myself, I've learned that my life is lived forward and learned backwards. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. At yeah. the time, I couldn't see it. Now, again, you know, God willing, in two or three weeks, May 25th, uh, I'll be celebrating five years of continuous sobriety. 
Nice. Um, Congratulations. Having remained sober long enough that I can look back and recognize the synchronicity in life's events that have led me to the here and now. Right. If that doesn't fucking prove to to me uh, a higher power, then then I don't know what does. Yeah. yeah. Hey, congratulations on uh, coming up on five years. And um, something I can relate to that you talk about when you're talking about the strip club. And I know that, um, you know, in other uh, interviews and conversations that I can relate, like I was exposed to pornography at a very early age. So for me, I kind of found... Um, and I know you talked about kind of finding that love. I think I, I had a real parallel with you on that of kind of, uh, all right, uh, hey, this thing, uh, you know, this woman, it ends, it's fine. It's just another part of that addiction that, that love can play or lust or however you want to look into that. Um, How did you kind of rebound from that area and getting some bearings there? Or are you still just kind of like, meh, I don't know, relationships, not for me? I mean, I, it's been, I, I'm asking for my own personal selfishness in, in, in sure. looking up to you almost as a mentor because I'm, I'm behind you by about three years. So Amazing, man. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's still a fucking miracle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's rather ironic now, right? When I was drinking and when I was drugging, which was – from the end of 16, beginning of 17, until 35, right? The, the, the only period of abstinence that I was able to sustain was, was, was due to my one year of incarceration. So that was by force, not by choice that right. I remained abstinent. But with all that being said, 16, let's just say 17 to 35, I always had a woman. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I always had a woman. I never not had a woman. Right. Because really looking back on it now is, you know, as al alcoholics, as addicts, we can really we can get shit. We just can never keep shit. <laughs> right. you know? So I could come up with a couple bucks. You know, I could pay the rent, the, the bills every month. But I, I would never know how to, like, balance a checkbook, um, pay things on time like that's. I'm so disconnected from reality and or abnormality that the abnormal has become the normal and and paying fucking electrical bills is not normal in my life at that yeah. time. So so really having a woman in my life was almost like uh it was it, it was a uh it was a lifeline, right? It was a necessity. Yeah. I, it was a survival mechanism because I was incapable of doing those things which would allow me to keep a roof over my head, a shower to get into, a bed to sleep in, a refrigerator open. I was not capable of producing those results. So, so I would always keep a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that that's what it was at the time, but looking back now, I see that, right? Um, because the reason why I see that is, I mean, I've been engaged twice, uh, and, and clearly they continue to get between me and my addiction, so they had to fucking go. Sure. Yeah. Um, and 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 women over women over women over women and now i'm in the best condition i've ever been in physically mentally spiritually financially you name it i'm aces across the board and i'm fucking single <laughs> because the reality is is like i'm okay with being with yeah. me for the yeah. first time in my life and again after doing these in a, a lot of internal work which has allowed me to reach the desired external results what I've learned is that the most important thing in my fucking life is my time mm -hmm. and it's the most valuable thing. And I will not lower my standards because yeah. there's no reason for me to do that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah. No, and I, and I can relate to that through through the whole thing. You know, I know for me, like when, when my, my peak was uh, post my divorce and it was um, 
I, you know, not only as addicts do we waste our time with our disease, which it's it's you know it's so ironic. It's it's a disease that, although we are fighting it, we're also welcoming it, and we just choose it, and we're like, hey, this is you know. I, I always loved a, a Metallica song. Um, Guys, it frantic where uh, James Hetfield says, "My lifestyle determines my death style," and we're just cool with it. Like, I'll drink myself to death, or I'll snort this to death, or I'll fuck this to death, or whatever yeah. it is. And it's we, not personal; it's just business at that point. Yeah, right. It, it becomes our norm, like you said. The abnormal becomes our normal, and it's right. such a weird thing to be so so much so that I think you're fucking mental if you don't see it the way that I see it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, you're mm-hmm. the fool. That you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I remember I was working in uh, professional wrestling, and I'm I'm with a buddy, and we we went down did a televised show here, and uh, we're in Central California, and uh, on the way, you know, afterwards it was standard. Everybody has a couple of drinks, and we just stop at the convenience store and grab a twelve pack, and here we are just driving back afterwards, just sipping beers, and and somebody I told someone about that. I'm like, it's the old days, like the old school wrestlers used to do, and they go. Yeah, this isn't the fucking sixties and seventies. Do you realize you could be dead? I'm like, you know, woo, Ric Flair used to do it, you know, and and doing yeah. the whole thing or oh yeah, you know, macho doing it. you know, these guys did yeah. that. And to me it was like, Who the fuck are you to tell me that? That's cool, that's badass. No, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's just a weird thing about our disease. But again, at that point in time when I find myself in those positions, the reality is that I'm completely incapable. Of, of, of being in solution mode because I'm so consumed with the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I have to, usually for someone like me, I have to, um, I have to be rescued from myself, right? Because I'm not the guy who comes up with like these, <clears throat> these, these very careful, calculated, sensible decisions that will, will, will help my welfare, right? Yeah. Like I, I usually have to be divinely inconvenienced, AKA a pair of handcuffs. Uh, AKA a, a dirty piss, a, a violation of a parole or a probation officer, uh, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're coming up on five years sober, May 25th, you said, right? Correct. Awesome. Awesome. So what I want to know is what was your break? What was, okay, fuck, I've had enough done and stuck with that because i know you've been in and out a few times so what was the actual just breaking point to where fuck this i'm over it never going back i'm gonna get my life together i you know what i've never walked into a facility like this is it i'm done i throw the towel in i jack right right correction there are a few times i went in like that right right? in the beginning and and those were my my real sincere intentions Mm -hmm. um but as you were just alluding to how powerful this disease called addiction or alcoholism is that we possess right it's 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 the only disease that that lies to us in our own voice and tells us that we don't have this disease and and it makes us believe the unbelievable right right? it's not like we have this strange voice that appears in our head and we can be like oh no stranger danger right 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 right. voice yeah yeah. he's believable Mm -hmm. um so so what happened for me was Again, life lived forward, learned backwards. At the time that right. these events were taking place, I could not see how important or life-changing they were. Mm-hmm. Now, after having remained sober long enough, I can clearly see mm-hmm. uh, where my higher power was doing for me what I could not do for myself. But the number one thing that, that, that really 
gave birth to the rest of these divine inconveniences or conveniences depending upon your perception yeah. if you will mm -hmm. was was that the heroin and the cocaine stopped working mm. that was the first thing that happened right because i found myself as a 35 year old homeless heroin addict uh who, who who resided on the corner of eastern avenue and patterson park letting men blow me for 40 dollars to secure another bag of dope um my mother had bought me a plot. People had taken life insurance policies out on me. I had just woken up from being on life support. At this point in time, I had been in 12 inpatient treatment centers. I lost count of outpatients and detoxes. Medivacs, four different hospitals in four different states with four different overdoses. My mother had sold three homes to financially pay for me to go to two different treatment centers. Uh, despite having done some things in life that, that people would equate to success or happiness some might even dream of, mm -hmm. right? Uh, touring the world with Tony Hawk, designing my pro model at the age of 15. Yeah. Uh, in, in those movies, Jackass, TV shows, Viva La Bam, mm -hmm. uh, a, a published author of an addiction memoir that was wildly successful. Um, despite all those successful accolades I just shared with you, I, I found myself as a homeless heroin addict who wanted to kill himself on a daily basis, but I didn't want to hurt myself in the process. Right. I was horrible at suicide because I kept fucking waking up and I was at a position in life where I was so low the curb looked like a skyscraper. My worldly possessions, everything that I owned in this world consisted of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, one stick of deodorant. It fit into this duffel bag that I carried around that doubled as my pillow, mm -hmm. a needle, a spoon, and a restraining order that my mother just had served on her 35-year-old son to be vacated from her home because, like, I was going to kill her and the house, like, literally, the way I live. Um, and, and, and prior to that point, it was okay, right? Because yeah. no matter how bad of a position and or situation I found myself in, I, I, I load up that tool. Right. And, and, and every time without fail, I put that thing in me and this delusional effect is now a uh, uh, This delusional effect is now, you know, uh, it, this delusional effect now appears, which will allow me to escape the reality that I, Brandon Novak, have created for myself. Mm -hmm. So, so, so standing on the corner, letting a fucking man blow me for another bag, it, it not only comes like manageable, it becomes like, you know, tolerable, dealable, not that bad. I put that thing in me. I escape my reality. Yeah. All fairs in love and war, right? Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. Not personal. It's just business. And, right. And, and, and that's cool. And that showed up for me. Every time without fail, I cop that bag. I put that thing in me. I immediately escape my reality. Not that bad. Ignorance is bliss. But mm -hmm. what do I do when I'm a 35-year-old homeless heroin addict who I literally every day, my last three months of my run, I would go out and buy $180 worth of heroin and cocaine. And I would load that tool up so much so that if I put another drop of water in it, the plunger would come out. Like it was full to the brim. I'd put it in me and that delusional effect was no longer being produced. Meaning that I could no longer, despite how much dope and coke I shot, I could no longer escape the reality that I, Brandon Novak, had created for myself. So that moment of clarity wow. that they talk about in sobriety was not only happening when I was sober, but when I'm shooting up full time. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not fucking work. What do I do? Yeah. Right? yeah. So that kind of set off a chain of events that ended me here. Gotcha. Um, that was the first and foremost. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it, it, and, I, you know, I know I can 
relate when I started to look at not for me it was not only did I change the way that I was looking at reality and my perception of it but I started to shift it for others that were even sober in how they dealt with me and that interaction and there was a thing for me that clicked in my head was I fucked up a lot of shit and people and it's it's like it's one thing if I want to abuse myself and destroy myself, but my kids, these people that love me and that I genuinely love, don't deserve to be robbed of their sanity, let alone um, to see me deteriorate to nothing. And, and I think hey, pro- I probably had another good five, six years if I kept it up that that's where it was going to go or to hardcore drugs, which, you know. I had never touched, not that alcohol isn't hardcore. We look well, yeah, at the amount I of was deaths. And, that. Like, you know. I work in the field and I get people help that they need and deserve and they call me and, and I'm like, all right, what are you, what are you using? And they're like, just alcohol. And, and I'm always like, look, it, it, yes, it's a different substance, yet it yields us the same exact results. Yeah. Right. Hopeless, helpless, disconnected, disassociated, isolated, you know full of fear, consumed with panic, and not knowing what to do. And the only thing that will provide some ease and comfort is another drink, yep. yeah. another shot. Same fucking thing, yep. really. Yeah, yeah, or I, I've, I've had friends with uh, sexual addictions, same kind of thing. Yeah, You know, another Absolutely. another chick, two chicks, whatever, the, you know, and when he went through getting some help, it was, uh, you know, uh, two or three prostitutes at a time or whatever it is. Or we, we recently spoke with a gentleman that was uh, gambling, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. It's yeah. all, all these situations. So, Brandon, you, you, you know, thank goodness, and you, you get into rehab. So when's the point when it finally started to stick and you started to really see that, boy, not only the way I perceive the world, but myself is starting to change and um, – Barriers for one, addicts no barriers at all. Because for me that was a huge, huge thing, and I think my childhood and some of the sexual sexual things that occurred um, really fucked up my barriers and having good, strong barriers mentally, emotionally, and physically. Sure. Again, right? Like I couldn't see it at the time, but now I see this as as as, as you know my higher power showing up. And doing for me what I could not do for myself, right? So the very first thing that took place is the drugs no longer produce that effect, right? And I'm I'm not even fucking bullshitting. Like, I could not load that thing up enough back to back to back, and that effect was no longer being produced. And I don't know why. It wasn't like the dope was shit and and they were burnt. No, it just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, But having had entered my first treatment center at the age of 17, Right now, walking into my 13th at 35, I had been around recovery, sobriety, 12-step meetings, treatment centers long enough to know that there was a way up and out of my position, right? Because I saw it working for you guys. Yeah, my disease told me that that was not the case for me because I was I, I was so internally unique, right? Like you guys didn't watch your father slit your mother's throat at the age of eight. You guys, your father didn't take you to the strip joint and make you drink shots of ginger ale and Coca-Cola like my father did. Yeah. You guys didn't end up in these movies that broke box office records that, that allowed you know you to kind of party longer without any repercussions, right? That's all the shit my disease was telling me as to why I was incapable of getting sober. Right. Right? I saw it work for you, but it didn't work for me. Right. So, so I knew that there was a way up and out of my position provided I got the fuck out of my way, right? Mm-hmm. I did know that 
And yeah. the other thing was that I, I knew that I was never, I, I, I'm a smart guy, man. I, I come from better. I know better. Uh, I pride myself on being an outside of the box kind of thinker. And I never once in my life was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to get high until I die. Like, this is what I'm going to do until I grow old and die. I, I remember I, I was living with Bam at the time and, and we'd finish filming for the day and, and I was going to meet them at the bar and we we're going to have a fucking party and do God knows what all night long. Mm -hmm. And, and I would show up like a little late and they're like, what, what are you doing? Why are you always late? And I'm like, well, cause I wanted to go to this AA meeting first. And they're like, why? Right. And I, I didn't, I just knew that, that something was going to take at some point at some time, either I was going to get sober or I was going to die of an overdose. There was right. no like, yeah. this is my, my calling. Yeah. Right yeah. Um, so, so, so then the dope stops work and a series of events take place. Um, I know that recovery is possible because I've been, and, and then I, a, a last ditch effort, a Hail Mary, if you will, this woman, uh, decides that she's going to fly me all expense paid trip to Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh -huh. And now in doing this, this is right when my mother served me with that restraining order at the end of my run, I had nowhere to go. And, and she was going to buy me the flight and, and, and she had, I told her I would come if she could provide me with some heroin, some cocaine, some Xanax she says no problem and i don't want to go to fort lauderdale at this point right because i know that it's going to end really really bad right, right? i just have this intuition that, that things are about to get really fucking off the rails mm -hmm. and, and i get up to the ticket counter and my heart is beating 10 million miles a, a, a minute right like i just shot 20 kilos of cocaine my heart will not because i don't want to go right i, I don't I, I know that it's going to end really bad. Like almost like I had did it before in a past life. Yeah. And, but the reality is the disease from which I possess does not allow me the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to sit this trip out, right? Because she has my heroin. She has my cocaine. She has my Xanax and some wine. So my disease is like, yeah, that's real cute bitch, but get the fuck up there and get your ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, so I get up to the counter and my heart and the woman takes one look at me and she says, Mr. Novak, are you under the influence of anything? And I said, no. And she said, I believe that you are. Therefore, you will not fly anywhere for 72 hours. Right? Not like the next flight out or tomorrow morning. Three days for Christ's sakes. Right? Now, now, two things that I've learned in my career is that I would never win an argument with a judge or a TSA airport security agent. Right. right. How I perceived this event that was taking place at that time, May 25th, 2015, how I perceived this was like this. The woman, the TSA agent knows who I am. Her son or daughter suffers with a disease of addiction and or alcoholism. This woman's blaming her kid's disease on me. How dare her piss on my fucking parade? Mm -hmm. Right? That's how I perceive. Mm -hmm. The reality was I had just tried to cop some dope before I got on this flight. And when I went to cop some dope from the boys, uh, all I had on was a pair of dress slacks with minus underwear because like I don't, I'm a homeless addict. I don't <sighs> fucking kid myself thinking that I'm going to wash these underwear and find these imaginary dressers in an imaginary alley and take, fuck you. Right? Yeah. I, I live to use and I used to live at that point. So I have these 
these at once point in time nice dress slacks if you overlook the cigarette burns because I'm fucking not out. Um, I have no underwear on. I have this button-up shirt on, and I have these at once point in time nice pair of Brooks Brothers shoes, but I had lost a shoestring along the way, right? Because I used the one sure. to tie up yeah. with the shoe. Sure. So, so when I go to cop from the boys, the boys see fit to rob me as opposed to serve me. And when they rob me, they rip my front and my back pockets completely out. Now my dick and my ass are completely exposed. They rip my shirt open, and the only button that stays buttoned is this very top button. And I got these shoes on with one shoestring, and I'm now roaming the streets of West Baltimore looking like a gay East L.A. cholo gangbang, right? <laughs> so that does not go as planned, so I get to the airport, and I attempt to get my ticket to board this flight. I saw the situation as the woman blaming her kid's disease on me. She knows who I am. Right. How dare her piss on my parade. The reality is anybody dressed the way I was dressed would not be allowed to walk outside, let alone board a flight anywhere right. in the world. Because I didn't have the privilege of changing. I told you all I owned yeah. was eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, one stick of deodorant. Right, a right. Spoon and a restraining order. I don't have the ability to, to put on underwear. That's it's not. So, so what happened was right and this is the second thing that had taken a lot of little things in the interim but this is the second big thing that had taken place um was that god had dressed up in the form of a tsa airport security agent and did for me what i could not do for myself because i told you i did not want to get on that flight like my heart was out of my chest but i i don't have the the ability to say no this is not a safe plan that I'm about to embark on. Mm -hmm. and, and I did not see, again, that's divinely inconvenience number two, right? And I get out of line and I call my sponsor, Lex, and I said, Lex, I'm stranded at BWI airport and I want to kill myself. And he said, no, you're going to get on a train. You're going to come back to Philadelphia. Um, we, meaning like a whole bunch of sober people, are going to leave our cookouts. We're going to leave our loved ones. We're going to leave our family members. We're going to come pick someone like you up who's been diagnosed as, as, as unhelpable and unfixable, right? And, and what happens is they believed in me way before I believed in myself. Mm -hmm. you know, they were showing up for me way before I was showing up for myself. They were praying for me way before I was praying for my fucking self. And, and I, I get on a train and I, and I listen, right? And I, uh, because I knew that my way no longer worked the dope no longer works. The woman at the counter refuses to let me fly for three days. Nobody wants anything to do with me. My assistant will barely answer a call of mine at this point, except just to see if I'm alive. Like everyone has had to now love me from a distance for their safety, right? Uh, because I'm at the point now where if you tell me you love me, I equate that to $10 and I'm going to make your life a living fucking hell. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, the series of events take place. I go back to Philly. They pick me up. They allow me to spend the night at their house. They take me to this treatment center, this treatment center I had been to four previous times. And, and each four previous times, I would sit in the same chair with the same intake coordinator. And she would say, okay, Mr. Novak, uh, your insurance will cover you for 90 days. And I would say, in theory, 90 days sounds great. But like in reality, I'm more of like a 45-day kind of fella. Right. right. And she would laugh at me each and every time and say, sweetheart, you have no idea. Anything and everything that you put in front of your recovery does not or will not matter because you will lose it. And again, I would allude to my resume, right? Clearly, you haven't read it, right? Because uh, I'm a former 
uh, a guy who was designing his pro model for Pal Peralta. I've been in these movies, The Break Box, Office Records. Uh, I'm a New York Times top 10 selling author who's wrote an addiction memoir, basically, which in my mind is the same as the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> That's how I equate it, right? Yeah. I was receiving hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail from people all over the world saying how my book saved their life and now they have like 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah. Saving their lives, but I can't keep a need out of mine. Um, so, so, so something happened different. Something different happened May 25th, 2015. I'm sitting in the same chair with the same intake coordinator. And I had finally, I had finally been demoralized in just such a fashion. I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness from drugs and alcohol um, that the same woman gave me the same offer that she had given me four previous times. Mr. Novak, your insurance covers 90 days. And this day, the same woman giving me the same offer, I couldn't even come back with a counter offer, right? Because if I said no, it entailed an explanation as to why I couldn't do 90 days. For the first time in my life, my addiction, thank fucking God, beat me speechless. I couldn't even talk. I was so just done. I, 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 I was tired of my own voice at that point. Mm-hmm. Right? I was yeah. really tired of it. I told you I cried wolf a lot of times. It wasn't that I didn't believe it, but it's the power of addiction and, right. and alcoholism. I believe what I was saying. But the reality was I wasn't willing to do the work that was entailed for me to get the desired results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she looks at me and she says, sweetheart, you're in no condition to do your intake. Get up to detox and I'll see you in four days. Mm-hmm. I walk up to detox and I'm immediately met by this 19 year old tech, an employee of the treatment center who's like a glorified babysitter for a bunch of addicts and alcoholics in the treatment center. And he looks at me, he said, Mr. Novak, you're back. And I said, aren't you a fucking genius? Nothing gets past you, does it, boy? (laughs) And he said, uh, he said, Mr. Novak, I regret to inform you, but your clothes are not rehab oriented. You need some underwear. You need some sweatpants. You need some slides. Because the fact of the matter was, I didn't have the ability to, or the privilege to change out of those clothes because I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remembered in my, one of my many, many attempts at one of my many, many treatment centers, someone along the way saying that a grateful addict will never use again. A grateful alcoholic will never use again. And when this 19-year-old kid whose head I want to fucking knock off because he's very happy and he has this lust for life and right now nothing is happy in my world. I want to fucking burn everything to the ground, me included. I'm just too scared to get hurt in the process of doing so. So I'm stuck with him. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, he said, come downstairs to the donations room. We're going to see if we can find you a, a pair of used underwear, a pair of sweatpants, a pair of slides. You guys told me a grateful addict would never use again. I had, I had never prayed for such simple articles of clothing in my life. Mm-hmm. The reality is I just didn't have them. So that a gratitude was starting to, to show its face. Yeah. So let me paint this picture for you. I'm a 35-year-old homeless heroin addict who who comes from better, who knows better. My mother's a nuclear physicist. My brother's an attorney in the White House. My father dies a direct result of the disease of addiction. I live with that after school special. I live with that cautionary tale of what I was never going to become. I actually excelled at everything that I did to prove a point that I would never be my father. 
first skateboarder to be endorsed by Gatorade. Designing my pro model for Kyle Peralta, touring the world with Tony Hawk. End up in these movies to break box office records. Become a New York Times top 10 selling author who had written a book on addiction. Did some things in life that people equate to success or having some of a dream of doing. The reality of what my life really looks like is May 25th, 2015. I just walked into my 13th inpatient treatment center. Just woke up from being on life support for seven days. I've long lost count of outpatients and detoxes. My mother has bought me a plot. People have taken life insurance policies out on me. I've been medevaced to four different hospitals in four different states with four different overdoses. I reside on the corner of Eastern Avenue and Patterson Park, prostituting my body just to get another bag. My worldly possessions consist of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, one stick of deodorant. Fits into that bag, doubles as my pillow, a needle, a spoon, and a restraining order that my mother had just served to get me out of her house. She had sold three homes to financially pay for me to go to two different treatment centers. At the end of my run, she had nothing left to give, so she simply went to God with one prayer, and that prayer consisted of, God, please cure him. God, please kill him, or God, please kill me because I can't take it anymore. I find myself standing in the basement next to a 19-year-old kid in this dark cement, right? This treatment center was a a state-ran facility that cost me $3 to get into, right? It's this dark brick kind of like wet damp basement i gotta take his cell phone and and hold the light so he can thumb through these boxes and look for used underwear how the fuck did i get here mm-hmm. uh-huh. how i had goals i had dreams i had ambitions how did i get here i got here because i sat there with a closed mind and a closed heart i got here because i sat there and i compared out i got here because i sat there and i possessed that job that consisted of knowing everything I got here because I sat there and I was defiant by nature. I hated authority and I would never conform unless it became my idea. So when you politely suggested to me what I should do, I politely suggested to you why you should fuck off because I possess that job that consists of knowing everything and my resume states that I know some shit. Yeah. I'm in this basement. No word in the English dictionary could properly suffice how fucking hopeless I felt about my case at that point in time and life. Add the word less to everything, and that's what I had felt and become at that point. Little did I know, standing in that basement of that facility where I thought my life had never gotten any worse, was going to turn out to be the best day of my life, right? As I stand next to this 19-year-old kid and using his phone to shine light into this box as he's thumbing through looking for used underwear and I'm praying to God that he finds them. He doesn't find them, but what he finds is a pair of size 40 women's sweatpants with no drawstring, a woman's tank top, and a pair of size 13 Jesus sandals. I don't know how alert or attentive you are, but I'm not a woman and I do not wear a size 13. <laughs> two things that were forever going to change my contract or, or, or course of my direction in life were taking place as I knew it. Again, I was so consumed with the problem that I could not see that the solution was happening, right? Um, The very first thing that took place was, was at that moment in time, I had the realization, right? Because I possessed that job that consisted of knowing everything for years. At that point in time, 
standing next to that kid as he's thumbing through boxes. I'm praying to God he finds you's underwear. I come to the realization that you know what I do know is that I don't fucking know. And my very best thinking places me in this position time after time after time. I couldn't even lie to my own self anymore about the reality that I kept creating for myself. I couldn't even do it. And the second thing that happened is, is that I was directly met by the God of my understanding face to face as a result of, of experiencing that gift of desperation. The pain had become so great that the God of my understanding had appeared in that basement, G-O-D, gift of desperation, that I'm standing next to this 19-year-old kid praying to God he finds me used underwear. And when he doesn't find me the used underwear, but he finds me the woman's sweatpants with the size 40 with no drawstring, a woman's tank top and a pair of size 13 Jesus sandal, he hands me the clothing. I had never been so grateful for such simple articles of clothing in my life, right? Uh, I was overcome with a sense of willingness, unlike anything that a human could ever provide for me. Right? I told you I had just met the God of my understanding. He's a direct result of that gift of desperation. And, and with that, I take the women's clothing, and I go upstairs. I get a shower. I get that Baltimore City smell off me. Never so excited to put women's clothing on in my life. <laughs> uh, I, I, I stay in that facility for 90 days. Right? In that facility, I, I had learned that like my mentality – will always create my reality. And then my therapist told me in group one day, if you change your perception, you can change your world. Mm -hmm. and, and with that being said, that my defects, the very same thing that was killing me on a daily basis, could become my assets with the slightest shift of perception. Hence me sitting here with you lovely gentlemen today, sharing my message of promise, hope, and freedom that does not consist of a fucking drink or a drug. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's uh, Brandon, it goes back to the first uh, interview that I did was with a gentleman who's a documentarian, uh, documentarian making a film called um, uh, Raising Hope, Eric Christensen. And he said, you know, our greatest adversity becomes our greatest advantage. And that, you know, I'm glad you shared that silver lining, that, that moment, because it really is beautiful, you know, because um, we wanted people to understand that you had such a story of hurt and struggle, but you've started to do so much good with it now. And that influence as two guys that are fans of yours for, you know, different reasons that it was, we were so pumped to talk to you because we know the, the good that you are doing now. And, and it shows through and it shows through in the transparency too, which, which I think shows great strength of character. But the, the most important thing about what I share with you for the viewers is that at the time when those events were taking place, I was incapable of seeing yeah. the right. importance yeah. of it, right? Like, I, I had to continue to stay part of the course, mm -hmm. right? Coming up on five years sobriety, having remained sober long enough that I can look back and recognize the synchronicity in life's events. All this, right, everything that you see me in for, for how you view me, what you think of me, your perception or perspective of me is, simply derived as a whole bunch of fucking pain. <laughs> the pain just became so great that I found myself willing to do whatever you suggested. And with that came an open mind because yeah. I knew that my way no longer worked. Yeah. Yeah, no, I and and that was a big uh, moment of confrontation for me. Was 
And I can relate to what you're saying was this this all-knowing, look at this, I've done this, I've done that, and the people that I was directly affecting, like, you don't know shit, you haven't done shit in comparison yeah. when it couldn't have been further from the truth. And And I had such a magical gift of standing in my own way. And I've had to give up that that power and just go, I don't know, tell me what what's best for me because I don't yeah. have a fucking clue. And that's it, right? I told you I was tired of my own voice at that point walking into that facility. Yeah. Like right. I was just so done. Right. I, I remember when I was at the assessment station and they were trying to find me a bed in a rehab, right? Because I, 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 as my disease progressed, so did my treatment center stays. In the beginning, it was like aromatherapy, music therapy, <laughs> yoga, private chef. At the end, I'm in an assessment center and, and they're trying to find me a free bed somewhere. Um, and, and as I'm sitting in there, I, I, I literally couldn't even sit in my chair. I was so sick, right? I was so ill. I, I, I'm shitting, I'm pissing, I'm throwing up all at the same time. Um, so I walked in there and it was like an outpatient place and people were sitting in their chairs like like how you and I are today. Normal, like, you know, getting ready to go to their therapy. And, and I was so far from that. Uh, that, that I went and I laid in the corner under these chairs in a fetal position with my back against them. And I remember thinking if I could just get in this wall, that would be good. Like I just, ah, uh, and, and, and I remember them trying to get me a bed and they're calling around everywhere because this is Memorial day, 2015. And, and I thought to myself, if they can't get me a bed, the very, the very best that I can come up with is I'm going to walk out here and right outside their door is, is a, a big thing of shrubs. And I'm gonna lay between the shrub and the brick building, you know, so no one will see me. That that's just I was just done. I was mm -hmm. done. I'm just trying to paint this picture yeah. for you of how done I was. And and for the first time in my life, I walked into that thirteenth facility with no plan at all. And that lack of plan has produced the best of plans. Right. Right? Because it allowed me to just get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. Right. And then when I got into there, I, I adhered to the lessons and the suggestions they were giving me. And what they told me is resentments are the number one offender to an alcoholic. You harbor enough resentments, it, it will kill you because you will drink again. Right. Mm -hmm. And now what I learned is, is that expectations are nothing but unfulfilled resentments. So I had to stop placing these expectations on people, places and things. And the reality is there is no their part. The only thing that I will ever be able to control is me, my thinking, my attitude, my behavior. And I am the problem. The sooner that I can accept that, the better and easier my life will become. Because if I expect you two to think as I think you should think, say as I think you should say, and feel as I think you should feel, it's not a matter of if you'll let me down, it's when you'll let me down. Mm -hmm. And I will immediately have resentments. And I'm not the privilege that can harbor a resentment. Right, because the scariest thing for me is not that I'll fucking drink and shoot dope again and die. That's actually kind of welcomed if I were to relapse. What what scares me to fucking sobriety, if you will, is that I, I go out and I drink and I drug and I don't die, mm. and I have to wake up every day and use against my will and do things that I don't want to do to get another bag. That's fucking hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it truly is. And that is again the the, the irony of the disease of addiction is. We, you know, we welcome because of it. It's not that we welcome it, but we accept that eventually that's the part of it. Because I think Nikki Six put it best. I had a conversation with him years ago after he wrote the Heroin Diaries. Said two things happen with addicts: you get clean or you die. That's it. That's it. 
That's it. You know that. So I'm, I pride myself on being a realist now, right? Like I help people. Uh, I'm on the front lines. Yeah. People, people call me, right? They're like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm ready, if I'm not. And I said, okay, well, here's what I know. I said, people don't end up on the phone with me when their life is great. People <laughs> end up on the phone with me when their life is shit or headed in that direction. Yeah. Keep in mind, I didn't find you. You called me. Right. right, right, so right. Yeah. And number two, if you've ended up on the phone with me, that means that, that you are now incapable of drinking or drugging without repercussions, meaning that repercussions have taken place due to your addiction or alcoholism, which have led you to call me. Right. Yeah. So when that happens, that allows me to know that I promise you, your issue will be addressed. It absolutely will. And this is how it gets addressed. One of two ways. God willing, you address you. God willing, you address your issue. You accept the help that I'm offering. You go to treatment. You save your life. You get things that you have no idea that exist in life. Or, God forbid, I get a phone call from your family member saying, "Thanks for trying to help my somebody that didn't make it." Yeah. And I get a lot of those phone calls. And I promise you, your issue will be addressed. It's just up to you on what side of the fence you want to be on when it's addressed. Right. Yeah. So I'll be here. You call. Hopefully you call and it's not like a family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's you know? that's the exciting thing of sobriety is that we, when you like you said your perception and when we get a look at it, it's like, wow, life is pretty badass. Because uh, you know what, I, I, you know, I may not have these uh, this delusion of this or that or or as you were talking about perceived um, success, but man, I've got my sobriety and I've got my clear head. And I'm getting out of my way, and I can actually feel and embrace real gifts of life. Little moments. Little, yeah. little moments. You know, whatever it is. I, I remember the other day I was at the store, and there's a little old lady, you know, with everything going on while we're talking to Brandon here. Of course, we are amidst this uh, sheltering in place. Reached up and grabbed her the thing that she needed, and she's like, God must have sent you here to help me. And it's like, oh, oh shit, I'm going to go cry now. I'm going to go cry. I'm going to go cry. Because if not, I probably would have been, you know, drunk at that point. Or I would have drunk myself to death. And I most certainly wouldn't have been doing this. A dear friend of mine who's sober, she always says, you know, be grateful for the ability to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because that can be overlooked so often. Yeah. You know, just the, the little things in life, man. Yeah, I found for me, it was, uh, alcoholism was weird. It was rather to numb or to feel, but it, when I say feel, it didn't always mean that it was a positive emotion release. Although I could get that at times too. It was like, yeah, all right, you know, and love this chick and she's so amazing. Or my friends were having a great time at this concert, but I also went over to the anger. And then eventually they just went like yeah. this. They folded into each Dang. other and there was nothing. There Same. was nothing. Either direction. Either direction. Well, I think direction. that's, you just explained the textbook fucking definition of addiction and alcoholism. Yeah. It progressively gets worse. <laughs> yeah. It starts out as a party, right? Yeah. And then it becomes a full-time job that pays nothing but pain and misery. And, and usually, as you just said, we're left with ourselves, by ourselves, crying and looking at ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hey, Brandon, well, if people want to know more uh, about what you got going on, because there is so much positive, which, uh, you know, I I would like you to talk maybe about if you're at uh, liberty to a situation of someone that did come to you, that it really touched your heart on the work that they've been been doing and that it really maybe cemented for you that your sobriety 
was paying off and helping others. Are you saying, wait, can you rephrase that? Like, do you sure. mean someone that allowed me to believe that I could get sober, like a mentor of mine or? Well, uh, your mentorship now, because, you know, we want, I wanted uh, people to understand that you have become a mentor to others. As you said, people calling you, um, you know, is, is there a story that for you, when you first say you had your six months and maybe someone turned to you or a year or two years or now that it, that it helps continue to cement your sobriety and the work that you're doing? No, to be honest with you, no, there's not like a person or something that, because, you know, two of the biggest things that I could never conceive prior to sobriety was practicing humility Yes. And relieving myself of my ego, right? And, and and my ego is simply easing God out. And when I ease God out, right, without these spiritual experiences that I've shared with you being divinely inconvenienced, that, that was the only thing that could ever have lifted me of the obsession and rid me of the desire to get high and drink. Without mm -hmm. those things, I guarantee you I'd still be shooting dope and drinking. Um, so, so with that being said, um, you know, I know without a shadow of a doubt the moment that I, if I started taking credit for, for, for what might or might not be being done, I'll start thinking that I've did this, hmm. that I've created it. I'm in control of it. I'm the great I am. And now Brandon becomes Brandon's God. And then usually what happens is then Brandon will start attending Brandon's Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is Brandon will start sponsoring Brandon. Left to my own devices, I'll believe that voice that talks to me in my own voice that makes me believe the unbelievable that will say, hey, you know, you've been sober like five years. You could have a glass of wine and, and, and totally be okay. Yeah. yeah. So so I really, I, 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 I don't, you know, that paired with the fact that I've always suffered with pretty low self-esteem and, and, and I don't really see myself as a guy who's on the front lines doing all, you know, and, uh, I did this, I did that. Mm -hmm. um, all I've simply done, I believe, is I've been assigned this role by my creator, my higher power that could completely change tomorrow. This is not up to me. I, I didn't even put myself in this position. No bullshit. I tripped and fell into this. I had no idea this my get well job was washing dishes at a diner for six dollars an hour my first year of sobriety yeah. and then someone found me i didn't like seek to do this shit i had no idea about this um but i i just i, I just share my story mm -hmm. you know i share my story and then what happens ultimately is 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 I think I, I live, I believe, and I could be completely wrong, that I live this pretty rad life that, that looks somewhat appealing and desirable. And I deliver this message uh, uh, that does not consist of a drink or a drug. And, and when people hear my story, it holds depth and weight, right? You can read it in books. You can see it in the tabloid. You can type it up all over the internet. Uh, and they're like, that guy used to get high like I get high. Mm-hmm. If that guy can get clean, there's no reason why I can't. And then there's a number attached. They call it and they say, hey, if you can do it, there's no reason why I can't. Can you help me? And when they ask for help, the terms of their contract have now just completely changed. Because if you recall, I said when I say that I'm an alcoholic, all that means is I'm defiant by nature. I hate authority and I will never conform unless it becomes my idea. Yeah. So when they call me asking for help and they say, if you can do it, then I can do it. It's now become their idea. And guess what? They excel at a rapid pace. Yep. Yep. So again, my defects have become my assets. 
Yes, absolutely. Mikey, not uh, by my own doing. <laughs> no, no, and it's not because it can't be by our own doing. Because if we do it by our own doing, it's the the results that we had before, the behavior we exactly. had before. Yeah. yeah, you know. And I got to the point where I knew that I no longer knew. My very best placed me here. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've. I, it's, it's pretty funny how often uh, those of us that kind of are able to take that uh, adversity to an asset that, like you said, we just we fucking somehow get here. You know. I didn't ask here. That's it. That's funny that you mentioned that because it was just between Thanksgiving and Christmas last year. A lady near and dear to me had passed away. My brother came down to spend time with my kids and I. And he goes, what is it you would really want to do with life? And so I'm writing out this list and all this stuff. And at the top of it was live a purposeful life. Right below it was leave radio to do a podcast. Come just after January of the new year. I don't know if I've told you this, I don't Mikey. Think, no, I didn't know that. As we were talking with Brandon about Carlos Fierra, the gentleman that uh, wrote his autobiography, Knocking Doors Down, his poor wife had sciatica so bad they had to fly back from a trip overseas. She's bedridden. He he goes and does the grocery shopping, which is very unusual. And just we bump into each other. And he's like, hey, so how's it going? Uh, you know, radio, this new company bought us. And um but yeah, you know, I, I just need some other challenge. And he goes, what's this podcast thing that you do that you're always telling me about? It's like, holy shit. And I hadn't really thought about that again until you were talking about your experience. That's, that's you know, you being denied access to the flight at the airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. It's a fucking trip, man. Uh, Mikey, anything else you'd like to talk with Mr. Novak about here? Questions, stuff that you want to dig into. I know you, you know Mikey's been sitting here silent, listening to us. Guys. I'm just li- I'm just taking it all in. I'm, people want to hear you, not me. So, <laughs> uh, so going over your Instagram, I think yeah. that you are the first person we've interviewed who has been woken up at 5 a.m. to a crashing guitar against the wall by none other than Iggy Pop. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> story that needed to be heard. Huh? I just needed to say that. Like, how sick is that? Like, being woken up at five o'clock by anybody would piss me off. But if it's Iggy Pop, that's fine. That's totally cool. <laughs> I mean, I wish that I could have really taken it in. Sure, at sure. The time like I would now. Right. right? No, uh, absolutely. It's crazy. I've I've traveled all over the world. I've done all these really a lot of really rad things. Right. And 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 and. and I don't want to say unfortunately, but unfortunately, it's kind of a blur. No, I got yeah. you. Yeah, I, uh, I hear you. But yeah. if it, it's it's it's, but you know, I I go to these meetings and I hear people say I fucking hate. I some cliches I, I just get under my skin. Other ones are just they're they're life saving, life right. changing. And and I'll hear people say like my my worst day sober is better than my best day loaded. And I'm like, I don't know what fucking kind of days you have, but that's not the case for me. But the best times I've had in my life have been when I've been getting loaded. Yeah, for sure. Best memories of my life. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of them. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Forget. Yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, things that, like, I can just look back on and just be really grateful for. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, if people want to know uh, more about yourself, um, Billy you know, Idol gave me his fucking twenty-four hour coin. Really? No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That pictures of that will be in my new book that's coming out. Oh, nice. When is that? When are we expecting uh, that? It Do we went have an idea? to print yesterday. Nice. Congratulations. So, uh, 
I plan on releasing it maybe right on my five-year anniversary, May 25th. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to that. I just, cool. yeah, Billy Idol, like, hey, Brandon, here you go. Take my corn, yeah. man. <laughs> right. So, so. Hell yeah, that's awesome, man. Congrats uh, again on the five years, by the way. That's yeah. good shit. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. And to anyone out there that's uh, that's hit some milestones, man, those birthdays. And it's funny, I had posted up, I remember on Instagram, uh, you know, hey, celebrating my birthday. And somebody goes, your birthday's not 4th of July. It's in August. I'm like, uh, totally different birthday. See, that's like a California thing, though. That's more like, that's a West Coast thing. The is birthdays. It? Here it is, but not so much. It's okay. still recognized as an anniversary. Oh, okay. Mm. But West Coast major, like, birthday, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it was, it was, and I wasn't even aware of it until somebody had hit me up. Hey, you're coming up on your birthday. I'm like, yeah, thanks for reminding me my 40th is coming up in August. They're like, no, 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 totally different birthday. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, trip out. So, uh, but, uh, Brandon, more free uh, on you, um, website and social media yeah. and stuff. So, like, if anybody's interested in looking at what I'm up to, where I'm going, or when I'll be there, uh, you can go to, to brandonnovak.com. All okay. one word. Everything's encapsulated under that roof right there. And get all the links for all the social media. Everything is yeah. right there. Cool. Go to brandonnovak.com. Excellent. Well, Mike, anything else you would like to add before we depart here? That's it, man. Thanks again for your time, bro. We appreciate it. I really it. enjoyed this, man. Yeah, yeah. Really same here. This, same here. I mean, fuck, we started at 2. It's 3.04. <laughs> I was on board once. That's rad, man. <laughs> you guys are great interviewers. Oh, well, cool. That's, That's all just, this guy Just right conversationalist, <laughs> man. I told uh, Mikey when, you know, when he came on board as I started this alone, I was like, he's like, oh, what do we ask people? I'm like... Do we know their name? Yes. <laughs> and then a little bit of their background. Yes. Perfect. That's it. Otherwise, we're just two, three people or whatever it could end up being shooting the shit. Just bullshit. Generally, people yeah. in the position where I'm at love to fucking talk anyway. Also, I'd like to add, leave my phone number for anybody Please. out there that's struggling and needs help. They can reach me directly. Absolutely. At, at 610 Six one zero. What the? Hold on. I got eighteen different numbers. Six one zero six three five nine zero nine two. Awesome. And they can get you directly that way. Yeah. And it, and if I don't answer because I'm a human and I can't take a million calls and I require sleep and stuff, sure. Sometimes, yeah. It goes to my team. Excellent. And they, and I will get back to them if it's a, a need to. Awesome. Right on. Well, Brandon, congratulations coming up on that anniversary. We'd love Thanks, to hear Coach. that. Looking forward to the book. And then uh, we will get you a copy out to um, of Carlos's book, Knocking Doors Down, for you to review. Check it out. Pass it along. If you have other yeah. people that you think that might use it, um, you know, it's all tied into his foundation, the Carlos Vieira Foundation and his Race to Be Drug-Free program. Uh, aimed at keeping kids off the streets, active in sports and other activities. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, people go, oh, all the proceeds. I go, no, all of it. Like he went, repurchased Victoria. all the books and just, it's, you know, it's like, here it is. You buy a book, it's all the money goes yeah. to it. So, it's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's one of the great things about being a part of this all is, is that it is directly going to do real work. So, you know. Well, I'm grateful I could, you know, be a part and, and share your guys' vision. Yes, sir. Period in time. 
All right. Well, we Absolutely. appreciate it. We'll stay in touch, and uh, maybe we'll yeah. uh, jump back on again in another six months or something, or I sooner or later. And yeah, that'd be you know, that. if you get out our way, you head out to the West Coast. Uh, you know, let us know, man, and it yeah. would be cool to sit and shoot the shit in person, grab a cup of coffee or whatever. So, absolutely, man. All right, brother. We'll take care. Hey, God bless, fellas. You too. Thanks, Brandon. You too, brother. Thanks, All right. All right. Bye bye. Join the conversation and follow Knocking Doors Down on Facebook and Instagram by searching Knocking Doors Down. Man, what a conversation that was with Brandon Novak. What a cool guy and to make his acquaintance. Um, it was just a real, real pleasure. Was some to, heavy shit, man. It was. Oh, it, yeah. And you know what? And addiction is so damn heavy. And it's it takes us as, a, as someone that's just struggled as much as I have you know, to numb the things that were hurt. You know, I, I read a quote, uh, addic- addiction to something wasn't my problem. It was my, res- or it, it was my response to my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really thought about that a lot is the way that I respond to things in, in life. And I had a conversation with my dad and kind of unloaded on some things. And, you know, for, for me, Mikey, we did the hashtag KDD challenge and hopefully it inspired other people. Um, to get out there, make some changes. And for me, you know, I talked about tobacco uh, usage of mine's chewing tobacco and uh, just kind of another thing to ditch. And I noticed I picked it up kind of when I was getting towards sobriety. And um, I had a conversation with him about some other things and trauma related stuff from childhood. And I just realized all this fucking baggage I've been carrying, mm-hmm. all this stuff that continually caused damage and, and rather I think when we're damaged, we find a like people and align with them and we get into negative shit that way. Mm-hmm. Or there's really good people that are there that are nurturing yeah. and you just kind of fuck it up by being an addict. And I just decided I'm just dropping the baggage at the door. Yeah. I'm just dropping the, the baggage at the door. Uh, that I will say the positive of this last month is I've either cut negative people out of my life or identified that I've been negative for them. And mm-hmm. I've said, it's time for me to be out of your life so that you can prosper yeah. because there's too much damage there. And so, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I like uh, Mike Cameron, a gentleman we interviewed not that long ago, hashtag make beautiful shit happen. Mm. Um, so, you know, for me, it, uh, regardless of uh, failing near the end of the month and, you know, popping that tobacco back in my mouth, it uh, has been amazing lessons, and I'm glad that we entered the challenge. So Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's crazy, touching on just what Novak just said? It's like, if you were to, like, obviously when these guys were doing the crazy shit in Jackass and Beatle yeah. Bam, you could tell that they're, you know, they may be drunk or something like that. I'm sure that <laughs> you're well aware that there's partying, but if you were to ask me before interviewing him, like when he was living under a bridge, yeah. you know, had what I, like seven scarves, something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said. Three socks. But, and- yeah, in a needle and a spoon, homeless. I I would have had no idea. You know what I mean? Because these dudes broke records in the box office. He had his own book. You would think that he was be, you know, living the life at, you know, some Hollywood Hills home when really this dude was living under a bridge. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. It's it addiction is no joke, man. Like this shit is it's insane and it's, it's scary. It's uh it's killing people. Yeah. And that's, uh, I still remember back to my converse, a conversation I had when I was working in radio with Nikki Six of Motley Crue. Two things happen to addicts, and I did mention this in the interview with Novak, is uh, you get sober or you die. Yeah. And that's just 
the the harsh reality of it. So, uh, and of course, I uh, want to uh, mention uh, Banyan Treatment Centers that uh, Novak does work with. Of course, he gave out his phone number in there, so you can look them up. Great folks doing great work, and we Absolutely. will have uh, some conversations coming up down the line with some other individuals that have worked with uh, the Banyan Treatment Centers. So, uh, but an exciting month of guests. We'll have uh, Fire Department Chronicles with Jason Patton coming up this month. Patton! Uh, Elizabeth Sherman, uh, her story starts with her mom getting breast cancer and they connected it to her mom's diet. She also was a very successful businesswoman but Mm -hmm. was eating just terrible and uh, she had a cancer scare, turned her life around, completely changed everything about herself, got away from family that caused trauma and all kinds of stuff and... uh, a uh, great lady uh, yeah. doing great work, especially with women to to help them with uh, body images, uh, healthy eating stuff. She did, you know, it's not a quote unquote diet where we're just eating celery sticks all day, but mm-hmm. really healthy eating and taking care of yourself. And she had such a great sense of humor because I kept doing my when I talked to her, oh yeah, Miss Elizabeth, all right, having a cup of coffee, you know. So we got that coming up, and of course, our first giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> don't <No> water. <laughs> don't die. So now I got to plug the, the giveaway. <laughs> Thanks for dying, Mikey. I'm good. All right. No, you drink water. All right. So this is where Mikey was supposed to tell you, yes, we're doing our first giveaway for 5150 apparel gift store gift cards. All what? You- <laughs> what? A giveaway? What? <laughs> okay. What? Get a Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? How many gift cards, Jason? Five. What? At $100 each. Get out of town. Get out of the city. Five $100 gift cards, and well, all you got to do is what? And follow us <laughs> on Instagram by searching Knocking Doors Down. The, what you got to do, follow the page, like the contest post, and tag three of your friends. Well, that simply just sounds too good to be true. It is not. <laughs> it is true. It is not oh, too good man. to be true. It is fact. So go follow, like, comment three of your friends, even if they're not your friends, just comment three people and pass on the contest. We don't care if they're strippers. Do I whatever don't care you if you're do. friends with them or not. I'm friends with strippers. It is what it is. It is what it is. Comment them. Who cares? Uh, well, we thank you guys for listening to Knocking Doors Down. Don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, <laughs> Spotify, and you can get more details not only on the podcast by going to kddmediacompany.com, but also Carlos Vieira's book, uh, Knocking Doors Down, which is uh, the foundation for what all this was uh, based on. Uh, he talks about his struggles with his uh, long-term addiction getting sober, mm-hmm. remaining sober, and the positive things he's been doing, of course, with all all the proceeds. Not not just a portion, but every single cent of it uh, from all book sales go back to the Carlos Vieira Foundation and so uh, awesome. one of the great programs, the Race to Be Drug Free <laughs> campaign, helping keep uh, kids off the streets, away from gangs, drugs, doing positive activities and stuff like that, and uh, doing things through uh, mentorship as well and, and working with mentors. So right. really positive stuff and p- proud to be a part of that. Absolutely. All right, on that one, have a great one. Take a sleazy. Don't forget uh, Jason saying, uh, I'll most likely quit tomorrow. <laughs>
This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.